buying right and selling right are our goals, not buying at the top of the market and selling at the bottom. Many investors say that you make your money on a property when you buy it. Buy right and you're halfway there. Hey, welcome back, women who want to create some wealth. We are going to go on. Uh, if you missed last week, we started reading my book, Empower Your Inner Millionaire, A Woman's Guide to Financial Freedom Through Real Estate Investing. And we're continuing on this week with chapter two. So if you missed last week, you might want to start with the intro in chapter one, just so you can follow the plot. But this week, we're going to move on to chapter two, which is called Money, Money, Money. No man is rich whose expenditures exceed his means, and no man is poor whose incomings exceed his outgoings. Thomas Chandler Halliburton. Those who attend to small expenses are always rich. John Adams. Goals for Chapter 2. Use your money goals from Chapter 1. See if you can reduce the amount that you need monthly. Understand what makes an investment risky. Less than a decade ago, I was deeply in debt. I had three condos that were losing money in value daily, tons of credit card debt, two failing businesses, and a car payment. It felt like no matter how much I made, I couldn't get ahead of it all. I did some research into filing for bankruptcy and found out that it would cost thousands of dollars to prepare the paperwork and file. I decided that if I was going to spend thousands of dollars, I wanted to be able to at least pay some of my bills with it. So I got out my computer and made a list of all my obligations. Every cent that I owed anyone was recorded into the spreadsheet. I started to research ways to get out of debt. Instead of paying a tiny amount on all the bills, I focused on the ones with the highest interest rate. Through a lot of hard work and some miracles, I managed to pay everything off and get myself up to zero. In the process, I reduced my monthly expenses dramatically. Now I can live quite well on a very small amount, which affords a wealth of freedom and flexibility. For a look at my spreadsheet and one that you can use, go to the website uyimbook.com slash budget. Cut it out. In chapter one, I asked you to estimate how much money you need each month and how much you'd anticipate spending if you were no longer working. If you're able to reduce your expenses, you can minimize the distance between you and your goals. The easiest way to have lots of money is to keep what you earn. The less you spend, the more you have. Even something as simple as bringing a bag lunch or making your own coffee instead of buying a latte for $7 can add up to big savings. If you don't believe me, believe Benjamin Franklin, who said, beware of little expenses. A small leak will sink a great ship. Start by keeping a spending diary for a month. It's not as hard as it sounds if you use your credit card for every purchase or your debit card. Your credit card company most likely offers a report that will categorize your expenses. You can export that report and add details. Even if they don't offer a report, you can download your statement and do the same thing. Find every item on the list that could possibly be eliminated. Add up those items and multiply by 12. That's how much you can save in one year. Years ago, I went out of town for a month and forgot to pay my cable bill. When it arrived the following month with a double payment due, I realized I was shelling out almost $200 and I hadn't watched TV once during that time. So I canceled cable and became a member of an independent theater nearby. For $200 a year, I get free movies Monday through Thursday, plus free popcorn. Now I can see first-run movies, have a great night out with popcorn, and support a local venue. 
all while saving $1,000 a year. Be creative about cutting things from your budget. Make it a fun challenge and see what you can substitute that will save money while enriching your life. As you eliminate the expenses, keep putting out the money. If you bring your own lunch, put the $15 that you would have spent into a special account. Add the $7 for your latte and the cigarette money that you save by quitting. Add to that the $50 a month you save by doing your own manicures and the $100 a month you save by canceling your cable TV. The thousands of dollars that you save can become your down payment for a property that will support you into old age. I promise that the excitement of pursuing that goal will quickly outweigh the minor inconveniences of the things you're trimming out of your budget. Once you've got your property and your income stream, you can keep your expenses low and retire sooner than you ever thought possible, or you can buy a few more properties and spend the extra money on anything you want. There are advantages to the conservative approach that you may not have considered, like, he, like teaching your kids to conserve. The Millionaire Next Door, a book by doctors Thomas J. Stanley and William D. Danko, is full of stories about people who never earned more than a five-figure income, but who retired with millions of dollars, and of high earners who can't afford to stop working. Teaching young people the value of saving can change their lives. It's also fun and challenging to find new ways to save. Discount travel, free cultural concerts, shows and movies, volunteering at your community theater in exchange for free admission. These are fun ways to save money that will introduce you to interesting people, new activities and adventures. What creative ideas can you conceive? Risk factors. In general, the more risk you're willing to incur in any type of investment, the more the potential reward. Real estate is no different, but if you remember that the market has cycles, you should be able to avoid disaster. Location, location, location. I live in the Boston area. The universities and hospitals supply a steady stream of transient residents, so rental housing is always in demand. The strong rental market attracts investors who compete with owner-occupants for the available housing inventory. This demand keeps the real estate market pretty stable. When market dips occur, they are usually much less dramatic than outside the city. In the most recent market low, Boston area real estate lost about 25% of its value, while one hour away in Worcester, an area that also has several universities and hospitals, but less demand, some property was down 70% from market highs. A two-bedroom condo in Boston today averages about 823000 while a two-bedroom condo in Worcester averages 189000 Boston is going to be a much more expensive location to start your real estate empire, but the property will be more likely to retain its value during the down cycle. Cap rate. If you spend four times more to buy the Boston condo, are you going to make four times the rent? Most likely not. Later, we'll talk about cap rate, and you'll learn that in general, a riskier investment should have a higher yield. Anne-Marie and Elif. Anne-Marie and Elif both inherited some money. Both decided to invest in real estate. Anne-Marie bought a three-family house in a marginal part of Boston, considered up and coming. A marginal area is one where there are factors like a higher than average crime rate, lower than average school rating, and employment rate, etc., that make it less desirable. Alif bought a pair of two-bedroom condos in a more stable area of Boston, one with lots of wealthy students and ambitious young professionals. Anne-Marie leveraged her property to the max, putting down only 3.5%. She was able to do that because she was living in one of the units. Alif paid 100% in cash. 
Because Anne Marie was planning to live in one of the units, each had two units available to rent. So whose strategy is better? Elif with all cash in a stable area or Anne Marie with mostly leverage in a riskier area? That's the beauty of real estate investing. There is no one size fits all answer. Each person did what best suited her goals. The important thing is that they both left, them, left themselves a financial buffer, bought at the right time in the market cycle, and considered their goals before purchasing. Future potential. What if you knew that potential growth was happening in a town near you, and that in five years it was going to be a much more desirable area, what real estate agents call up and coming? You'd get a higher monthly return on your investment because of a higher cap rate, plus the higher percentage of gain when you eventually sell. An up-and-coming market is like a third-world country. It has tons of potential that may or may not be realized in the near future. <clears throat> when evaluating the property, you will have to weigh the likelihood that the up-and-coming area you've defined will actually arrive. Have a contingency plan if it doesn't. Be aware of plans to change some of the factors that make an area marginal like more active school committee working to improve the school rating, new city leadership, or active community groups that are building political strength and could force civic leaders to make positive changes. Some people believe you should follow the artists as they seem to discover areas that are undervalued and improving before anyone else. The downside. Spotting areas that are experiencing growth can yield big rewards, but what if you're wrong? There are towns that have been... There are towns that have been considered up and coming for 30 years, but have not yet arrived. If the location where you want to buy is currently marginal, it will impact the kinds of tenants that you'll be able to attract. We'll talk later about how to screen tenants so you can feel reasonably comfortable that they're going to pay the rent. The more depressed the area, the harder time you'll have finding tenants with great credit scores and references. <clears throat> Leverage. Another factor that can make transactions risky is leverage. On one end of the spectrum, you could pay cash for a property. Even if you lose a tenant or the value of the property drops, you're still in good shape. You could take out a loan against the building or just use some of the money that you've saved by not paying a mortgage to get you through a rough time. On the other end of the spectrum, if you borrowed the maximum amount against the property and lost a tenant and market value, you could be in danger of losing the property and any investment that you've made in it over the years. Time and timing. It's normal to be in a rush to achieve financial freedom and to tap into that positive cash flow, but beware. The more quickly you want or need to remove money from your property, the more likely that you could be forced into a situation where you have to sell against the market. Buying right and selling right are our goals, not buying at the top of the market and selling at the bottom. Many investors say that you make your money on a property when you buy it. Buy right and you're halfway there. Let it roll. When I was young, there was a guy who used to come by the house sometimes. His name was Kenny. Kenny loved the horses, and he had devised a system, a surefire way to choose the winning trifecta at the horse track. He always told me stories about the success that he'd had and how much he had won. One day after Kenny left, I said to my dad, is Kenny rich? He always talks about how much money he has and drives around in a flashy car. My dad laughed. No, Kenny's not rich. As a matter of fact, he came here today to borrow more money. He's a gambler, always trying to outsmart the system. Some real estate investors are gamblers at heart. 
when things are going great and they're on a winning streak, they often think they've devised a surefire system that's guaranteed to pick winners and make a profit every time. These are the people who will be filing for bankruptcy in a couple of years. What's the only thing that we know about the real estate market? The real estate market is cyclical. If it's going up, it's going to come down. If you've been riding high for five or six years, buckle up because the rocky road is ahead. It is possible to get into real estate by investing at the bottom of the market just as it's heading up. When that happens, it seems that you can't go wrong. No matter what you do, you're making money left and right. It's true. You really can't go wrong. You've timed the market exactly right. And even if all you do is to a property is pay the taxes, it's going to appreciate. If you fix it up a bit, you'll get all of your investment back and more. The problem is that right now, so this was written in 2019, the problem is that right now in 2019, most experts agree that we're almost at the top of the current cycle. If you buy right now, you might be able to sneak in a flip or a small development project before the market changes, but you'll be a lot safer if you act as though the market is already heading down and plan accordingly. Worst case scenario, you'll make more than you expect to make on your investment. Chapter two action items. Visit eyimbook.com to create a budget. Find creative ways to reduce your expenses. Set a goal to reduce your expenses by at least 20% in the next three months and start to think about your risk tolerance. So I just want to take a minute now that we've finished chapter two, to talk about the fact that in 2019, many people thought we were at the top of the market and we kind of were. And then all of a sudden COVID hit and everybody wanted to move. Everybody wanted to relocate. If they were in a small house, they want to be in a big house. If they were in the city, they want to be in the country. So that just really shot the real estate market up. The other thing that's having an impact right now is the lack of inventory. So as prices for labor went up and prices for materials went up and all kinds of things during COVID, increased people, many builders felt that it was not, or knew, recognized that it was not worth their while to build starter homes, inexpensive homes, because they just weren't getting their money back. They couldn't build a $300,000 house and still make money. In the Boston area, they couldn't build a $500,000 house and make money because the materials were costing so much between the high cost of land, the high cost of material and the cost of labor. They just couldn't do it. So they built lots of million dollar homes and multi-million dollar homes and huge developments, but a lot of single family homes, a lot of what we call starter homes, less expensive single family homes. They were not being built during that time. And as far as I can tell in this area, in the Boston area, they're still not being built. So those properties are really in demand and that's keeping the prices high. It's 2023, right? So we thought in 2019, we're at the top, 2023, maybe it's softening in your area. In Boston, it's still going strong, even though the interest rates are so much higher. So what does that mean? You can't time the market. Just like any good stock investor will tell you, you can't time the market. Don't try to time the market. But what you can do is to pay attention to what's happening. There, it's easy to tell, and actually we're going to talk about that in a future chapter. It's easy to tell where we are in the cycle. And all you need to do is just keep checking those barometers and you'll always know where you're at and uh, hopefully you won't get burned. Okay, so come back to us next week. We're going to read chapter three of the book. Hopefully this is starting to give you some ideas and some thoughts and hopefully you've gone ahead and done your budget and done your goals and you're ready to take on chapter three. See you next week.